Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stevenson with New Direction Family Law. And I'm Sarah Hink. Thank you for joining us today. We are here again for our podcast of Exit Strategy. And today we're going to talk about one option that is available to a lot of people when they separate and are going through the divorce process, separation agreements. And a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about that, don't they, Jen? They sure do. (laughs) From the time that they call our office, one of the most frequent statements that we get is, how do I file separation papers? How does that start? And I'm like, oh, bless. Okay, we need to get you in here. (laughs) Yeah, and people don't know. We do it every day, but it's so confusing. But you don't file separation papers. I think we've talked about this before. If you separate and live under a separate roofs, you're separated and you don't need to file anything to start that clock Mm -hmm. ticking for the separation. There's no official paperwork to have that done. It's absolutely just separate roofs and you're now operating as if you're not married or at least to the public, holding yourself out to the public, that you're not still in this marriage relationship that people are accustomed to. And that's all you really need to do. And you can start this process before you actually separate Always a good idea to talk to an attorney before you separate. Right. So what's the point of a separation agreement? It's to solidify in a contract, valid contract, just like a business contract, another contract out there. What's going to happen with your finances? What's going to happen with the kids? What's going to happen with child support? All the issues that really you need to tie up before you go get an actual divorce. And there are some cases that are more appropriate for separation agreements. A lot of times if there's domestic violence or child abuse or or an inequity of a lot of power inequity, that may not be appropriate because you may need some immediate help from the court to protect yourself and your kid. Correct. And if you're a dependent spouse and say that your husband is being abusive and you decide to leave the house, but wait a second, I have no money. He's cut off the bank account. I can't access it. I can't even get an apartment. And he's the one still in the house. That's something that you're going to have to go file to get a court date. But otherwise, if there's no immediate need and you guys are able to amicably at least coexist and kind of share finances, then it's a good option. Right. And and you said at the beginning, you can even start this process while you're still together. And a lot of people do that because you can't run two households on one household income. And so if you separate and you leave and you don't have an income, your spouse is not obligated to pay you anything. That's correct. So if you can talk about it, be amicable, you can come to an amount of child support and spousal support, how to divide your property, sign off on everything, and then you can get your apartment or get your new house and everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Right. And I, this is one of my pet peeves and I have clients right now who are like this. So (laughs) if they listen to this, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you're feeling the pain now too, is when couples, they separate and they don't talk to an attorney for a year and they do this weird sharing of expenses and using each other's credit cards still. Mm -hmm. And it gets into such a mess. And yeah, they're like amicable. They can communicate to some degree, but they're still living financially as if they're a unit and it's not working and you're racking up debt for each other for separate purchases. It's really complicated to smooth that out because we value everything on the data separation. And it's hard too, because I have two cases right now where they started out that way and everything Mm -hmm. was pretty amicable and they separated without a separation agreement and kept using the joint account. And then all of a sudden one party starts directing their income to a separate checking account. 
So there's no money for the other spouse that has no income. Yeah. And there's, oh, I've paid you support. That's it. You don't get any more. And so, no, that's not exactly how that's <laughs> not how, how it works. works. And you can get into yourself a lot of trouble. Jen, do you have a question or a comment? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so you, talking about establishing date of separation, that's another question that's always followed up with, Liz, how do you establish that date of separation or how do you show proof? How do I show proof that I moved out or he or she moved out on this date? That's true. A lot of people do ask, what proof do I need? You don't need any proof other than to be able in your divorce complaint, put it in a verified complaint under oath that says this is the date we separated. Now, helpful if you have a new lease agreement or you have a friend that can corroborate that you moved out or y'all both agree that's the date you moved out. That's fine. You don't have to have any paperwork unless it becomes an issue about, no, we didn't separate on this day. We separated on that Yeah. Day. If you're going to court and it's contested, then we need to find some like hard evidence bills where they're going, where are you sending your mail to, that sort of thing. But in most cases, it's not an issue. Like they both yeah. realize who moved out and when. Or put it in a text. Hey, I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> you know, or an email. I suggest know. to clients, if there's ever an issue, just put it into an email. And so like I, always, I always have that paper trail. So the, the issue about separation agreements is neither you nor I, Sarah, can make the other part. We can draft a separation agreement, get it just like our client wants it. And I can send it to the other party. Please let me hear from you within 10 days. <laughs> Do you hear from them? <laughs> Generally not. And please provide me all these documents. And they don't have yeah. to do a damn thing I ask them to do. No, and they don't need to respond. They don't need to do anything. And I hate it for my client because they're just sitting here trying to take the high road, get things accomplished, be responsible, and getting things in order. And a lot of times that was an issue during the marriage. Like right. My client that's getting everything together is saying to me, oh, he didn't really do any of the bills or she didn't do anything during the marriage that was proactive or responsible. I took care of everything. Well, it's showing here too. They're not going to be proactive about this. They don't want to face the reality of it right. either sometimes. So you might be waiting a while unless you decide to take another route. And I always encourage people, if you're still in the household together, there's no issue about domestic violence have a conversation with the other party and not a conversation of I'm leaving and this is what we're going to do. Have a conversation that's open-ended. Here's, we both agree this is not working out. Here's what I propose we do about custody and child support and post separations aboard and alimony and property division. What do you think about that? Have, you know, if you back somebody up against the wall, it, it's not going to go well. No. And you tell them, if it's okay, but you think they're going to respond well to it, that I have met with an attorney, but it doesn't mean I'm coming after you, that I'm taking right, you to court. Right. But for what I learned through my consultation is we need to address these things. And it's more cost effective for us to try to address them together than apart. And I think that's the biggest argument is we can go to court and spend $50,000 yeah. each, <laughs> or we can keep that money in our pockets for our kids' education or for our retirement. That's the biggest positive about a set about doing separation agreement and staying out of court that's true and you have to be able to work together communicate i have clients who they retain me first and then their spouse gets an attorney and i'm like look it's probably the best thing to happen it is i always say i hope you're i hope they do get an attorney because right. it can make everybody be reasonable and they can explain to them the law and this, this is how it works instead of in their head thinking i get spreadsheets from opposing parties who aren't represented and they do all these tallies <laughs> and they put all their numbers in there and like, this is how it should be and i'm like oh Okay, you're an accountant or an engineer, I get it. But that's not how not it is under works. the law. Right, and right. I can't really explain to them and give them legal advice. So you hit a wall there. Right, right. When somebody comes to you, what kind of document, let's talk about 
like property and spousal support and child support? What documents are you going to ask your client to start gathering? It it's, can be a lot for a person to see how much we want. Mm-hmm. So we have a good system in place at New Direction Family Law to get you a list and also explain that maybe you don't have everything on that list, but we're going to need... Most importantly, if they already are separated, data separation statements for pretty much every financial mm-hmm. account you have and anything with your mortgage, credit card debts, bank account statements, retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. If you had a short marriage or even one that was long, but you had separate property coming into it, we want statements of that. I don't know if it's, I think it's more than if you're like trying to buy a new house with a mortgage. It almost is. Um, you need tax returns, you need pay stuff. It is, yeah. if you think about it like you're applying for a mortgage because we need a, snap, a snapshot mm-hmm. of what your assets and what your debts are and what your income is and that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's a pain, I get it, but you got to track it down, we need it. Yeah. And for me to advise you and for you to get your money is worth of my legal advice after you retain me, I need to see these numbers. A lot of people are just like, whatever, we agree. This is what I want. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And sometimes that, and also, but you can caveat that and say, I'm happy to draw this up for you, but you may be, may not be in your best interest, but some people are, it's their personal decision, I think sometimes. Yes. And so I always, you know, send them an email Mm -hmm. just saying this is my legal advice, but if you're okay proceeding this way, that's fine. I include provisions in the separation agreement that there's been a satisfied, everyone's satisfied with disclosure, not a full disclosure, but everyone's just satisfied with it. Right. And the other issue that sometimes come, well, a lot of times comes up is they don't have access or they don't even, our clients don't even know what's out there. Yes, that's hard. Yeah. If they don't know, then I certainly don't don't know. know. Yeah. And that's another reason that people wind up in court is if you're in that voluntary mode of sharing documents that they're you're not getting what you need and they refuse to provide it. And so at that point, then you have to have that hard conversation with the client that says, Okay, it's been three months, I haven't responded, I I can't make them do anything. So your only other option is to do nothing. Yeah. Or file a complaint and go to court and start a lawsuit. And I feel like this is, for anyone listening, a lot of information getting <laughs> thrown at your face right now. <laughs> um, very quick-paced, fast, and, and it's not always as fast as we're talking about it. It can be a slow process. Sometimes you wrap up a separation agreement in a few weeks, but a lot of times it can go on for like six months or even a year. Yeah, I think you just need to be prepared for that, that it's not, as we always say, getting divorced is the easiest and quickest part, even though you have to wait a year to do it. The in-between is what's difficult. And it's just, just a mess sometimes. You know, <laughs> People they, people want to say we're all amicable and I don't want to go to court, but sometimes you just really don't yeah. have any choice. Sometimes you're being amicable, but stupid too. Please don't. Oh my God, I just got to have a kid. Don't, <laughs> don't, pull it, don't pull it off the internet. <laughs> oh yeah, don't <laughs> do that. Please don't. We have to try and fix it. And a lot of times we really can't if it's strangely valid. A lot of times it's not valid. And then if you try to enforce it, then... Yeah, it's a, so, so please, as Sarah says, because if you don't see us, go see somebody. Go see anybody. You see. Not anybody. <laughs> <laughs> see a family law attorney that practices pretty exclusively, exclusively family, family law. law and has good recommendations, referrals, and reviews. Check them out, but otherwise, get some legal advice for sure. Don't just take it off the internet. Right. Now, with these documents you guys are talking about, are you talking about documents for all time or is there a specific date range you're looking for these documents? I think it depends. If there's some hint of 
something going on that wasn't appropriate or we're, we're spending money or or hiding money, I would say go back a year or two. Yeah, but can. generally six months or so is, is sufficient if you don't really, once you look through the documents and new stuff, you may ask for other. Case but, dependent for right, sure on right. that. And also you're going to have an attorney on the other side, maybe asking for a ton of documents. So you're just navigating this whole disclosure world and you are undoing what's been done for however long your marriage was. And a lot of things could have changed. People could have brought money into it sold money we don't know about money where did it go there's a lot of digging which is another great reason to make sure you have representation because if you're not represented but opposing party is represented and they come shoot you these emails or mail talking about produce these documents you're not sure what you're obligated to produce and what you're not obligated to produce so well, you're not obligated to produce squat that's the that becomes the issue sometimes yeah and a lot of times they don't <laughs> yeah but it's important though because a lot of people like we have to go when you give me a bank statement and it could be June 1st to July 1st, but you separated on June 15th. People don't understand. You can't just look at the bank statement and see the end balance. Go to You have to go to that day because a lot of times people go, oh, I'm separating, and they move a chunk of money out. And that's why you pay for an attorney and for their staff and support staff because we want to get you every penny that you're entitled to. Yeah, and it can be very important for some people who both parties are not big wage earners and a few thousand dollars matters. It does, especially if you're trying to support kids on one income and you really can't, they're not going to pay alimony, but you get some child support. So every little bit we can get you is a good thing. Yeah, I swear he had a 401k, but the statement says there's nothing in there. Happened to it. And that's when we go and go back and see, oh, here was a transfer that went, but I don't have that account. And that's where it gets a little sticky. Yeah, and it's really important to investigate that, especially if you were not, savvy about keeping up with it during the marriage right. which happens yes Dale. yes <laughs> i know we're raising hands now i had a question what's some of the funniest or most clever way you've seen people hide money when they're getting ready to have a divorce oh i don't think they're just they're not i don't think they're terribly clever <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of money hidden in yards which which makes me want to go out just digging <laughs> Start digging in people's yards. Don't mind me. Yeah. Not. Uh, yeah if, you're, if you're having a hard time in your marriage and you see an X in the backyard, grab a <laughs> shovel. <laughs> yes. And saves that you open up is gone or they're just like hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in cash in envelopes or under the mattress. You yeah. Know? Some people are big on that. I had a case and they're like, oh, took it from the yard by the bushes. And he's like, no, I th- I took the, bl- the bunny that was by the garden. And you're like, oh, okay. What other spots are in the yard? And that's difficult because I don't have bank statements to show <laughs> right. where this money was transferred from this bank account to the plot by the roses. Or you have coins or bit- what's getting really is the digital stuff. It's getting a little... Harry now, and that's hard to track down too. Yes, and sometimes we might have to bring in a forensic accountant. But if if we're that deep with a forensic accountant, we're probably in court. (laughs) I was going to say, you're probably not in separation (laughs) agreement. And that's something to consider too, is the complexity of your case, how many accounts are out there, what your concerns are, how willing the other person is to hand over information. A lot of time when there's a uh, self-owned business, they don't really want to give over all their business accounts or their tax returns. They might be doing something shady, so they're scared to do it in the first place. And so they don't want you all up in their business. And I don't know if you hear this, Jen, but clients don't, I don't think they understand a lot of times, well, how how expensive could it be? All you got to do, it's a boilerplate. All you just draft it up. It can't, what's it going to be, a couple hours of your time? I mean, if you don't want any legal advice and you don't want it done correctly and you want to just accept what you're willing to expect. But that's not the way we do it. That's not how we do it. I wouldn't be fulfilling my job as an attorney under oath and doing everything that I'm supposed to do for my clients if I did that. Right. 
Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. Let's face it, divorce affects a lot of people, myself included. I've been there. There's no easy way around it. It just sucks. But determining the finances of one household splitting into two can be one of the most stressful issues of divorce. Will alimony or child support have to be paid? Who gets the house and the cards? Who has to pay all the credit card debt or any other debt? Do I get to keep all of my retirement? These are all important questions that you need answered going into a divorce. And it's so important that you're represented by an experienced family law attorney that can answer these questions for you and help you develop a plan specifically for you and your situation to move forward. New Direction Family Law has over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients when going through divorce. We aggressively advocate, support, and educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So give us a call today to schedule an initial consultation at 919-719-3470 or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. Let's talk about what goes in a separation agreement. What can you put in there? Pretty much anything that relates to the, the same claims you would file in court. You want to make sure you're taking care of in the separation agreement if you can. Custody. You know, legal custody, who's going to make the decisions, the physical custody schedule, child support, mm-hmm. equitable distribution. So what you're going to do with the property and debt in the marriage and also spousal support. So alimony. And there can be other caveats, too. Like it's a contract. You can pretty, pretty much, much put anything, contract in anything in there. A lot of things that judges wouldn't do, you can put in there. And I've had a lot of it's pretty standard to put college education expenses in there. But you can put about cars and cell phones and, and weddings and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. In I usually advise against that. Just because I say, you don't know what your income is going to be in the future. Let's not, because this is a contract. They can hold you to it. I got a case right now where he's about $7,500,000 in breach of a contract that he signed 10 years ago to send the child to college. You better send that kid to college. (laughs) You agree to it. Because you're going to be paying that plus attorneys. Take out some of those student plus or the parent plus loans. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I those hold up in court. I had a case where there was a parent plus loan and the kid was estranged from the father whose name was on it. And we were trying to get it divided in in equitable distribution. I tried to join her to the case to make her pay it. He got stuck with it. Yeah. I mean, so, so you got to really read. make sure you like your kid yeah. that you're going to send to college <laughs> and maintain that relationship and make sure that you stay employed so you can pay it. Right. Or okay. don't do it. And so what happens if, okay, let's say I agreed to pay you $3,000 a month in child support. What happens if I don't? You'll, it's just a contract. What are you going to, what can happen? What's the worst thing? So I'm the attorney representing the party that needs that money. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably first start by sending you a demand letter, seeing if we can negotiate this without court intervention. And if we get no response or I'm just not going to do it, then the next step is to file a breach of contract in court. Okay. So even though it's a contract and you did everything out of court, a judge can still help you enforce that Yes. So just like we said before, it's similar to a business contract. This is going to be enforceable by a court through the breach of contract process. So a little different from a court order, though, is you have to have some kind of damages or some kind of monetary way to get paid back a specific performance. So a child support, that's great because we know exactly how much Mm -hmm. he's supposed to pay. And there's probably a provision in your separation agreement that requires him being in breach and us filing in court to pay for your attorney attorney fees. fees. But if there's a provision about, oh, dad's not supposed to have overnight guests of the opposite sex within six months of dating and he does it, that's a little harder to enforce because if I go file a breach of contract and you're paying me to do that, then what's the damages? What's going to happen? There's no monetary penalty for what he did. So we'll talk about this in another podcast about what you can 
do to remedy if, that. If you have custody issues and you really don't think they're going to follow that separation agreement, it's not worth really pursuing at least the custody portion. You can always, and sometimes, a lot of times, actually recommend this as putting equitable distribution and alimony in a, separ- mm-hmm. in a separation agreement, putting custody and child support in a court order. So filing what we call a excuse me, a friendly lawsuit just to get the yes. order in. So you're still agreeing. Right. You're still agreeing. You're still both going to sign something. Court. You're not right. going to court, but you're putting it into a court order, which makes it easier to enforce. And you can also modify it. Cause you might end up modifying it. You might file in court anyways, if there's an issue right. with custody or child support in the future. And so let's say we're really close or we're getting there, and we still, but we still need some help. What options can help you get that separation agreement knocked out? Mediation mm-hmm. is, is great because you're close, but you're just not close enough Get together. You're not in separate rooms together. Or I was going to say, I don't, you to, are, I don't have to sit with the You are in separate rooms. Yeah. Some people think they're all together. I'm like, no, you don't have to see it's them. It's not like it is on television. Unless you're like going to the bathroom, just look out around the corner maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you go to mediation and you're there with your attorney. The other person, he or she is there with their attorney as well. And you have a third party mediator going back and forth. You know, playing devil's advocate, looking at the evidence and saying, if you go to court, this might happen. Think about the attorney's fees. Mm -hmm, Let's really mm -hmm. drive this home, get it done, hammer it out, which is great if you can do that before going to court because you might have to go to mediation anyways. Right. And we always at our office, if we're going to mediation, we always sit down with you before that and explain the process. And part of of what I tell people is if y'all leave equally unhappy, everybody's done their job because... You cannot, when you go to mediation, you got to, to get to the middle, everybody, not only you, but the other party has to give up something. You have to give a little bit. Yeah. That's what I always tell them too. I was like, I know you're not happy about this amount of, of alimony you're going to get, but they're not happy about paying you that amount that you're that's agreeing right. to. That's right. Like, no one's ever happy. The attorneys, we're a little stressed, but we're the ones getting paid. So, you know. <laughs> it's not our life, but we want to, uh, we can, but, and it's, you also have some control. That's the other big issue because if, and this is what the mediator will tell them. If y'all don't settle here then you're going to be going to court and you're going to get in front of a judge that knows nothing about you that's going to make a decision about your life and you lose all control. Right. So I tell them, have they read everything in the file? No, they might not ever even look at the court file before we get in front of them. They don't know you. That's they right. were just talking to someone else right before us. They're going to have our hearing, which might be only an hour sometimes, and make a decision that affects your life. And then they'll move on to the next people. And the media, we know our clients and the mediator, we spend all day. They mm-hmm. get pretty, they get into the That's case. Like the first hour or two of mediation is just getting to know you. The mediator gets to know you, finds out your objectives, right. what's important to you. If going to school to make sure you get a job is important to you, then make sure you talk to the supporting spouse. Listen, she really just wants to go to this two-year program. Let's right. pay her enough for two years to cover tuition and get her on her feet right. and really make sure that it's those little details and that's better that you can do in a separation agreement and craft it the way you want it. And so I just always think it's the better way to go. It helps you when, if you, especially if they're kids, I yeah. think it's, it's always helpful if you can come to an agreement. So what if we come to an agreement, but then I change my mind? Or in most cases, there's been a substantial change where all of a sudden my husband or my ex-husband at this point because we're divorced makes twice as much as he did when we separated that depends <laughs> yeah so say we have kids and he's been paying me alimony based on his old income yeah well sir, your first question is what if i change my mind if you sign that agreement and and you signed and a notary assigned for you that's a binding contract unless there's some fraud or deception you're bound by it so if you have buyers from more, and that's why we like people to Really like people to sign that day, and if you're not under duress, because then it's signed and everybody's okay. Yeah. 
But let's say down the road, yeah, he wins the lottery at $5 million and he's supposed to be paying child support and alimony, not necessarily a substantial change because your expenses have not increased Mm -hmm. and your child expenses have not increased. So the judge may say nothing's changing. Can yeah, so can we ever agree to more or you, yeah, if it's a contract, y'all everybody can change it. If you agree, put it up in writing, sign it, notarize it, it's amended and it's changed. But if they don't agree, then can't change You can change the child support and well, if the alimony's in there, no. That's a done deal. Yeah. Property's a done deal. Child support and custody, the court can always entertain those two issues. Yes, that's correct. And that's why a lot of times those custody provisions, I'm like, uh oh. They don't really mean that much in a separation agreement. They don't. I mean, it, it, I just think of it as temporary because even if you go to court, you don't right. have to show a change. You're starting from scratch. If you agree to 50-50 and then all of a sudden you want to go to court and ask, say that she's drinking a lot and I think I should have primary custody, they can use the separation agreement and say, well, you agreed to 50-50 then. That was your intent. What's right. changed? And if she hasn't, if she drank the same amount then now, that might be a little harder. You can show it to to show intent that you're okay with something or um, child support's a little harder, harder to modify once you have a, a separation agreement, but right. you can by going right. to court. But it's also, if you're signing a separation agreement when your child is three, things are going to change when they turn 13. Right. So that's, so a lot of times we have um, frequent flyers who come back and they signed it a while ago. And now things have changed. Not that anything's bad. It's just not working out. Mm-hmm. So it, it can always be changed. Yes. If, and, if both parties agree. Yes. And if it's a young child, you probably have a schedule that you, as a baby, but right, when right. they start going to school, it's not going to work out as much. Yeah. And it's really hard. If you're a teenager going back and forth and trotting your stuff for all your free, it's mm-hmm. hard. And make sure you're truthful with your attorney doing the, <laughs> during this process. I've had issues where a client tells me, oh, we're separated. We're separated. Yeah. She'll agree to this and comes back. There's a signature on it. I'm like, great. Perfect. And then years after the divorce actually that wasn't her signature or they weren't separated holy shit you well i've had not separate i haven't made forge anything but i've had oh we weren't really separated good lord yeah i'm like you little liar that would so make what, me mad yeah so if you let's say everybody's kumbaya ish and you come to an agreement and you go to sign it what makes it like does it have to be notarized does it have to be signed in blood do you have to do a ceremony <laughs> over it because we have people that call seeking services that say we wrote up this yeah. document and signed, signed it. it and i'm so well, is it notarized so what makes it official all the blood it's been a long week from it's a friday when we're recording this so there's gonna be like a lot of gibberish you'll probably be taken out by now but or by the time you hear it but. yeah i want to say yeah sarah jane kicked ass this week in court so she's a little tired yeah my brain it's in there <laughs> But, it okay. has to be notarized. notarized. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely needs to be notarized, and you make sure the notary stamp is and all of it's done correctly. There's case law on, on know, what, what the stamp should say and what the yeah. verification should say, right? and whether this is a valid agreement because the notary made a mistake. A lot of times, if it's in conformity with what it right. should be, fine. But hey, people obviously go into court over that, so that's more money to spend. That's make right. sure it's done correctly. And then we talked about modifying. A lot of times, people will. Oh, he lost his job. So they agree verbally. You don't have to pay me the three. I'll just take the five. Does that change the contract? No. But people think it well, does. Though. Unless it says in there that you can verbally change, change it, it, which is not a good idea. <laughs> Why would you ever put that in there? I don't know. <laughs> Defeats the purpose. No, I never said that. You were drunk. You're remembering it wrong. So yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But it doesn't change it. And say that you, that I'm paying Elizabeth $5,000 a month in alimony, which is great. Good for Elizabeth. And... <laughs> 
I, I tell you, I'm like, I can only afford to pay you three. And you say, that's fine. Can you come back to me or come back at me and ask for that amount back, even though we agreed on it? I think you can. I would. It's a con. It's a binding yes. contract. Yeah. I've had that case before. Oh, no. She said it was okay. I'm like, no. she said it then. She, right wants, now. <laughs> she wants that money now. You got to pay up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so after a separation agreement is signed, do you file it with the courthouse? Usually no, but you. No, but you. A lot of times, uh, people don't understand this. There's always a provision in there. This agreement will either be incorporated into your divorce degree or will not be incorporated into your divorce degree. And the difference in that is, if it's incorporated, it loses being a contract. It then becomes a court order. So it is filed. It's attached to the divorce. And a lot of people do separation agreements, especially if they're high profile or that sort of thing. But they do it because they don't want it filed anywhere. It's their, they want their business out there. And like we talked about before, how you enforce it is different once it's mm-hmm. a court order. And a lot of, if you file it, you attach it, incorporate it with your divorce decree and there's alimony provision, then there might be a chance for you to modify it. And you don't want that if you're the payor for sure. Or maybe sometimes you do. You do. Yeah. That's right. Could go either way. But a lot of times we advise not to incorporate it. There's also... In registering it with the deeds. Register of deeds. <laughs> you are <laughs> registering. Registering it with the register of deeds. <laughs> well, they did. May not tell people not to do that. It's no. well, you can do a free what we call a free trader, which just gives you the right to buy and sell property. But don't don't record your separation agreement with the register no, of deeds. Don't of do ta- that. A lot of times, there's also a provision in there that says that if someone requests for it to be recorded, that you do a memorandum of it, so it doesn't actually go into right. depth about what you agreed upon. It just says these are the parties. They separated. They have a separation agreement. Anything, whatever important you need it to include, and you can register that. Yeah. So it just depends. It's contract law, but you can get real crafty with it and make it your own, which is great. Yeah, I mean, you can put in there anything you want to. And I think that's what empowers people, I think, is that you're not sitting, waiting for someone, one a, a male in a black robe telling you what to do. Exactly. And you're also not spending as many attorney fees as you would going to court. You're not going to have as much stress. It's still obviously because you're it going is, through you got to get all these documents. you got to come meet with us. But yeah. you're not testifying. You're right. not, you, you know, going to have all these court dates. And it's just the better route if you can go that way. But I also caution people when I talk to them for an hour, a lot of times I can pick up whether or not this right. case is good for a separation agreement or if it's going to end up in court. And I'll tell clients that like my inkling is to not spend a lot of time negotiating right, here, right. but they'll get stuck and you'll spend a year trying to negotiate a separation agreement and it fails and you have to go file in court. Like sometimes it's just better to say, give it a good go. And if it doesn't work out and they're not forthcoming, just go ahead and file in court because right. you can still settle outside of court. And that's what I tell clients is if I haven't heard back from them, then we have that come to Jesus meeting and you file and then everybody has to start, everybody has to produce stuff. It's not up to the other person whether they do or not. But like you say, does it mean that you can't still enter a separation agreement and dismiss that lawsuit or Correct. enter into consent orders? Correct. So there's this, another way. This yeah. is a lot. So go see it an is. attorney. And this is for North Carolina as well, just as a reminder. Yeah, thank, you. So. thank you. Yes, I have no idea what happens in any other state. <laughs> Maybe similar, might be completely different. Who knows? But just be careful that opposing party took the separation agreement off the internet and it's talking about it gets this legal separation agreement gets and it was going to be filed with the court well, you can't enforce that because that we don't have those sorts of things you yeah know? you don't 
No. We don't file them. If you literally take that piece of paper down to the clerk, they'll probably file stamp it, but it doesn't go anywhere. It like, doesn't mean do anything. anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean they should. No, they'll just take it and stamp it and throw it in the back and who knows what happens to yeah, it. Yeah, but you also have to be crafty about things. It's like a separation agreement that says the other person's going to refinance and the other party is going to get the amount of money they feel is appropriate. Mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to enforce in court. So many vague separation no. agreements that don't even say that when do they have to refinance by. Right. And a lot of times I end up with those cases and they call and they're like, it's been 10 years. I still haven't taken my name off the mortgage and I can't get my <laughs> own house. You can, there's nothing you can do. No, I have to send a stern letter, hopefully scare them enough to do it, but your agreement's not good. You really need a good attorney and we're really good attorneys, yes, I think. Yes, we are. Very that, humble as well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I'm not going to say that necessarily. <laughs> no, I would mean I would want my attorney to say that they're a good attorney. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I was like hiring someone. They're like, I'm not that great. But yeah. I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I went to law school. Should that count? <laughs> I passed the bar. <laughs> yeah. So do your due diligence before you hire an attorney. Meet with a couple. Make sure That's that they understand saying. the laws. Because it's a personal relationship. We're going to be best buds for a long time. So you need to be able to have a relationship with your attorney. And some people don't don't like us. And that's fine. If you don't. If I'm you, okay. Well, I don't take it personally. Like we had a guy recently that was just like, I didn't, Sarah, I don't like what she had to say to me. Like, a lot of times they don't like what we have to say. No, like you probably didn't. But I was trying to help you. But it's okay. But we're always honest. I'm not going to tell somebody what they want to hear. No, that's going to get you gonna more trouble. Because it's going to come back and bite us in the ass if we right. do that. Right, and that person. I was about to say, they're just drinking the haterade because you told them the truth, and that's right. not that's what a, they wanted to hear. That's right. So it's like anything else. You can find somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but it's not going to give you a good outcome. That's what I can assure you. And on. then I'm like, I know why your spouse is leaving you, but <laughs> I don't really think that. Tell way. her to give me a call. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We be conflicted out. You're like, oh, I ended up with the wrong one. <laughs> Happens. Oh, well. Happens. Oh, well. What can but, we say? Okay. So let's say we're going to talk about this in, a, in one or two podcasts from now. So if we can't settle, we don't do a separation agreement. What are we going to talk about in a couple of episodes? Next we're going to file in court and we're going to serve some papers. And we're going to kick their ass. <laughs> we're going to kick their ass. And ain't that some shit. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This episode is complete. Visit newdirectionfamilylaw.com for show notes and resources. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more resources and information. And remember, with change comes empowerment.